0: Jeff Smith, he didn't get there. footballs the football. Oklahoma takes over.
1: Oklahoma. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Inside OU Podcast Fan Edition. That's right. The Fan Edition is back after, what, a two or three week hiatus. Um, it's been two or three Mondays in a row where I've had no time. And I mean no time to do any interviews. And today was kind of the first Monday where I had one or two things to do um, I had to fill in on the franchise, and I'll actually get to that in a second. But that was all I had to do, and so my guest today, um, we kind of had the basic idea to do it fairly quickly after my show at the franchise. But then disaster struck, <laughs> and as as it would uh, in a day where they've had where they would ask me a not producer to go produce their drive time show, and then of course uh, Chisholm and Keegan lost their signal. Three or four times in the first hour, so that was fun, and then a whole bunch of cleanup duty afterwards. And now we are here with the Inside OU Fan Edition. That would be the OU fan, not the fan of the podcast, because OU football is why we're all here. Let's just get that clear. But I am joined by my special guest today, Mr. Anthony Jumper. Anthony, how are you doing today, my man?
0: I'm good, Brady. Uh, just having a great day out in
1: West Texas. Oh wow, we're at uh, we're at city wise, town wise, uh, San Angelo. I live in San, San Angelo, Angeles, Texas. Yeah. Okay, I used to live in Abilene uh, for about yes. six, seven years, and um, I'm I probably played some kids in football in San Angelo. I just I can't remember that far back in the past, unfortunately. I got hit in the head a lot, but it is what yeah.
0: it is. Yeah, it is what it is. Um, <laughs> yeah, San Angelo. Yeah, I uh, heard you were an Air Force, brat, and I'm actually in the Air Force stationed here in San Angelo. Oh, okay. Uh, for uh, for a few more weeks at least. Uh, before we make the make the journey to Omaha, Nebraska, so
1: oh, that that might yeah. influence this podcast a little bit. Hey, hey. How, long been, how long have you been? How uh, long have you been in the service?
0: Uh, almost fourteen years now. Uh, I joined after college. Uh, yeah, I it was, it was about twenty six. We were starting a family and uh, needed a steady paycheck. You know, one that wouldn't uh, go away anytime yeah. soon. So. Uh, air force seemed like a, like a pretty good job and Hey, I've stuck with it for 14 years and, uh, hopefully the next base will be the last that seems weird to think about, but, uh, yeah, we could, we could hit 20 up in, up in Nebraska. So,
1: wow. So you're doing 20. Yeah. As they, of right now. Yeah,
0: it's, yeah. Unless, unless I screw the pooch or anything, we're, <laughs> we'll, we'll do, we'll do 20.
1: Well, my, my last air force interview question for you is what, what exactly do you do in the air force?
0: So right now I'm a technical training instructor here at Goodfellow. Um, I actually started a class today, um, online class, as it were. Um, so yeah, that's that's been a good experience. One I didn't think I'd be very good at or enjoy, and I've been wrong about both of those. I've well, that's good been pretty decent, and I've enjoyed it a lot more than I thought it possible. So well, that's
1: no that that is that is great to hear. And I'll get the the corny thing out of the way, but. Thank you very much for your service, and uh, I'm thankful that you've been able to stick it out, like you said, for 14 years, and hopefully the next six years, if they are indeed. Is it all going to be in Nebraska, or do you even know that to be at this point?
0: I I don't know that, but that's what I'm planning for. Okay. That's what I'll I'll push for. So
1: Hopefully that's what you want, but we all know Uncle Sam can make a decision for us at any point. Yep. Uh, being, uh, I, I mean, I was by no means serving in the military, but my dad was, so I, I, kind of understand, um, from what, from my perspective is, but again, thank you so much for, uh, for serving, for helping defend the country, all that you do. And now thank you for wanting to jump on this silly OU podcast where I basically use it as a vehicle to scream about my OU anger at times. So I truly appreciate it.
0: Well, I think you and I, listening to your podcast uh, over the, over time, uh, I think you and I have very similar trains of thought. Um, oh boy! I notice you're 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 very passionate about the things I'm also passionate about. So we may do a little bit of screaming here. Okay. On,
1: so. Well, well, I've got some. I mean, I've got some unfortunate news uh, in terms of where we could potentially go with that. Uh, I'm on I'm on the Mike Stoops cleanse for. Uh, basically until kickoff of right. uh, against Tulane. So by now, listeners kind of know where I stand with all that. Um, I believe the last time I did this, uh, I actually had to explain the whole Bob Stoops, Mike Stoops situation with me. Um, so we won't get into that because I'm doing the cleanse and I'm trying my best. We all got to make sacrifices. If we want to win a national title, we've all got to do our part and that's going to be my part. But, uh, Anthony, we're going to d- dive into your OU fandom and try to steer away from
0: anger as much as possible. Right. Good, good. Well, I've got a lot of happy memories, so good, good. I don't, I don't want to talk about that Rose Bowl. So I'm glad that we, <laughs> we don't have to. Exactly.
1: Um, exactly. Now you told so- me. Go ahead, you, told, go ahead, sorry. You, you told me in uh, our initial back and forth on Twitter um, that you a have a history degree from OU. Am I correct? Yes. Yes. Um, so I'll ask this as somebody who also has a history degree um, from OU: Is it collecting dust on your wall somewhere? Oh, yes. And <laughs> here's the here's the funny thing about it: history is an awesome subject, and to me, it's it's more than just the the high school way to teach it where here's a person, here's a date, here's a time, here's a something you have to remember, move on to the next thing. Like history does such a great job teaching your brain how to use it, like how to use your brain, how to use logic, how to use, how to understand like patterns and human behavior. You kind of like dive into paleontology, sociology, psychology when you're being taught history. So you kind of dive into a lot of different things. So I don't want to besmirch The subject of history, but uh, I find it interesting. We've got two OU grads here with a history degree and we're both doing completely different things with it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually going back to school to uh, be an accountant. So (laughs) fall back on that maybe in about six years or so.
1: Hell yeah. That's what I was actually, that's what I had planned to do out of high school. I was in advanced high school um, accounting classes. And I did that my first semester in college. And for some reason, I just woke up one day and said, I don't like this. This is boring. I don't want to do this anymore. So I don't know what I want to do with the rest of my life. So I'll do history because that's my favorite and best subject. So maybe in the meantime, like I can switch it back to something else. Um, but I need to make good grades in the meantime. I never decided what I wanted to do until I graduated, and I was like, I want to be in sports media, and I want to do podcasts, and I want to scream, and I want to do uh, disastrous radio shows on Monday drive time uh, when Chisholm and Keegan lose their signal four times in the first hour. But that's neither here nor there. So let's get right into the OU fandom, uh, Mr. Jumper, now. So, so, what, basically, like, at this point, I think you kind of understand like my timeline as an OU fan and because I'm a history nerd, like I go back to the time before I was even kind of around or cognizant of OU football and all that stuff interests me as well. But we kind of have our wheelhouse of when we started to sit down to watch OU football and when we actually got into it. So with you, who's the coach, who are the be- the best players on these teams and what um, and how, how mad, I guess, are you that it might be in the 90s?
0: Oh, it's not in the 90s. No, uh, I started at a very early age. Um, my first memory of OU football, I knew the concept of football. I knew the concept of uh, Orange Bowl and stuff. But January 1st, 1988, uh, my mother comes and sits me down in front of the television and says, our, our 19-inch uh, Phillips color oh, TV, yeah. which probably weighed about 40, 45 pounds or so, uh, tells me Oklahoma is playing for the national title, and I was a smart five-year-old. I knew I knew what Oklahoma was, and that I lived in it, and I knew what a title was. It was a championship that you had to win, and so I said, "All right, that's that's who I'm rooting for. I'm an Oklahoman. This is obviously the team that represents our our great state. This is this is this is the team." So we turned. It was we had a color TV. We had one that was black and white, but the big one was a color TV. And she turns it turns it on NBC for the Orange Bowl against Miami, and uh, there was this team in the most beautiful shade of red, which was my favorite color, and uh, the grass was just so green, and our red popped, and our white popped, and that even that awful orange of Miami just popped on the screen, and uh, it was, uh, you know, it it was, it was great. And then you know, I see it's seven seven at one point, and I was like, all right all right we can win you know i i don't know anything about this i just yeah. see oklahoma has a chance to win and it's tied so we gotta we gotta score some more to win and you know how the game went it was 10 7 13 7 and i think it was melvin bratton scored the touchdown to make it 20 to 7 and i'm just getting more frustrated and five-year-old me is just you know crying his eyes out even though i've been an ou fan for about two hours and uh you know, we ran the fumble rooski and I remember, you know, kind of celebrating about that. And you know, even maybe then I was kind of cynical because I was hoping it was worth two touchdowns instead of one because we <laughs> needed two touchdowns and we lost. And I just were so I was so sad. And uh, but, yeah, that's kind of where my uh, my fandom began. You know, it's uh, you know started there and it really hasn't died off at all since. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I lived in Florida for four years when I was with the Air Force, and uh, you know, even even to this day, I see a my, somebody with a Miami license plate and I want to run them off the road. You know that. Oh that's yeah. Like, I can't stand Miami to this day. But, yeah, yeah. That was a, that was that was my first memory. Um, there's been better ones since then. Uh, 88. Shoot, my second memory was also not great because we went out to the Coliseum to play USC, and uh, remember Rodney Pete going up into the to the line of scrimmage with this big smile on his face and they're kicking our butt that game and it's like, I don't like that guy. I don't like <laughs> USC.
1: Yeah. Um, unfortunately for you, I guess, you know, the the absolute tail end of the Barry Switzer and look, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you some credit. I'm sure your five-year-old brain at the time was probably thinking, you know what? I don't think running the wishbone is very conducive against a pro style defense with pro style athletes. I I just think that that's just probably not working and maybe try something else, but, um, it just wasn't meant to be, Oh, you went 33 and three in three years and they lost to Miami, which again, I think I asked this on through the keyhole on the Patreon page a few weeks, a few months ago, like what, if you had to construct your ideal run to the playoff, like, so basically playoff game national title this season, um, who would it be? And to be honest, even though I kind of want the realistic, like if OU is going to win a national title, it has to be against, you know, an Alabama or a Georgia or Clemson or the media just won't acknowledge it. You know, you know how that will actually probably happen, but if that wasn't the case, I would love to just run through Miami and USC for all the demons, and so I'm sure you could really subscribe to that too.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Those, uh, yeah. Miami was public enemy number one. In fact, I, I grew up in the '90s. You know, well, OU fell off in the '90s, and Notre Dame became my second favorite team because they beat Miami the next year. So obviously, hate Miami. Hey, Notre Dame beat them. <laughs> I like them now. So. Yeah, Anybody anybody who beats my enemy is my friend. So
1: uh. I know, and it's kind of a shame that they've been so, like, not even bad, but just irrelevant, because I, I, I like when the U documentary is on, even though it does piss me off when they make fun of the boss and knowing full well that he played his ass off and had 22 tackles in that game, but OU still lost, and they got the last laugh. Like, it's still cool to see, like, there's the bad guy, and I want OU to beat that guy. Because OU, you know... They were by no means saints in the '80s and the '70s either. They were the bad guys in a lot of respects themselves. I want OU to be there at some point. I feel like Lincoln Riley is—I mean, he makes some comments here and there that I'm like, all right, he's got some Switzer in him. So I like where this is going.
0: Definitely, definitely. I think he's—he's he's got a little bit of Switzer in him. Yeah, uh, yeah. Just excited that uh, the direction he's taking the program, especially with the the bump up in recruiting i know you've talked about uh bob's sabbatical his four-year sabbatical where uh you just you know hey come to ou we're good you know uh if you don't want to whatever (laughs) seemed to be seemed to be the pitch for a while but uh uh, yeah i I like that hey we're we're in on five stars there's there's players all over the country wanting to come here again so it's exciting
1: i mean hell Malachi Nelson commits to OU yesterday, as of yesterday, it's Monday that we're recording this. And, you know, if you've been plugged into OU Twitter to OU recruiting, I mean, even at the extent that I am, which is admittedly not very deep, I, I've known that this was going to happen for months. So like he he commits and it's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like another day, another five-star quarterback, which he will yield, more four and five star running backs and receivers and tight ends and H backs. And then now we're dipping into the four and potentially some five-star defensive linemen, linebackers, safeties, cornerbacks. Like that's, that's another reason why this season is so important. Anthony, it's there's so much pressure on this season that if they have an inexplicable loss and then another one, it's like all that momentum could potentially go out the window. And I'm trying my best not to think about it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm also cautiously optimistic of this season too. Um, I guess, you know, going to three national championship games and losing them all kind of, kind of puts that into, into you, you know, we'll be really good. Are we going to be good enough? And it seems like we've been saying that about recruiting for three years, three, four years now, you know, we, we have to do well, otherwise we're going to lose our momentum. And I mean, we've done pretty, we've done really well, really well. Oh yeah. And, uh, we kept the momentum going. So, I mean, and, and, you know, like we've been saying, you know, 2021 is the year, 2021 is the year. So let's, let's hope it, let's hope it turns out that way.
1: Let's I hope, mean, let's hope Spencer rather doesn't get greasy canes fingers uh, and fumble the football in inopportune moments during the season. I hope that that doesn't happen, but I, I did uh, going back to your, like your origin story as an OU fan It's interesting because like mine started when essentially OU won a national title in 2000 and I'm 10 years old and I'd seen a handful of games in 99 I'd seen maybe one or two games throughout the 90s. In fact, the there's a photograph of me when I was a baby I'd been alive now for a month, just over a month. My dad's in Saudi Arabia during the Gulf War. My mom took a picture of me sitting on a blanket on the floor and the 1990 OU Nebraska game is on when OU just beat the crap out of, I think they were like 15th in the country. OU wasn't ranked cause they were on probation and OU won like 45 to 10. Right, That, that was the last. Yep. What's up?
0: I said, correct.
1: Yeah. And uh, I think that was the last time OU beat them until 2000. Now after the big 12 got formed, they didn't play the first two years. So, the, you know, there's reason. Uh, but You know, like my OU fandom basically began when they won a national title and my 10 year old brain is like, oh, they're going to do this every year. Right. So you were actually humbled with your first experience. So I wonder, did that at all make the 90s a little bit more bearable to you because you kind of knew that this was a part of the deal that you could lose? Or was this just like, I have no idea what this program is anymore. I don't know what what I'm watching.
0: Yeah, no, it, uh, it was not it did not make the nineties any more bearable for me. Um, yeah. Cause I, you know, I grew up, my, my, one of my uncles is a huge OU fan. Um, another one works in sports media, John Hoover. Um, so, and my dad's a huge OU fan. So I grew up with, you know, rabid OU fans in my family and people who knew, uh, knew about sports in my family. So I always followed it. Um, I grew up in – I was born a native, but I grew up in Tulsa. And, of course, there's OSU fans galore in Tulsa. And, you know, to hear them say it, the 90s were the golden age of OSU football just because they beat OU three times. Uh, and tied them. And tied them. So, yeah, there were four <laughs> years. Forty percent of the time in the 90s, they did not lose to OU. That's a great decade for them. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but yeah, we, we fell off because I, I knew uh, – I knew about Jamel and, you know, I was puzzled why he was always hurt. I didn't know about ACL injuries back then. And uh, yeah, you know, Switzer had to resign because we cheated. How'd we cheat? Oh, I don't know, but uh, you know, my six year old brain couldn't process that. But uh, and we, then we get Gibbs and we cannot beat Texas to save our lives. Oh my goodness. Uh, you know, growing up, I didn't really have a beef with Texas other than that, we just could not beat them no matter what. So they were like, you know, Nebraska was Alabama, but Texas, you know, no matter what they did, we still could We we stood just as much a chance of beating Texas as we did Nebraska. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I, so I lived in Tulsa and I know one of your other guests that he grew up in Bartlesville and didn't make it to too many games. I didn't make it to too many games growing up. Uh, just, uh, you know, we were bad in the nineties and, uh, you know, we, we didn't grow up poor, but, uh, you know, we didn't have the money to go down to Norman every Saturday. And then by the time we got to where we did, I was in high school and had, uh, you know, I had my own things on Saturday. So um, I was a rabid sports fan. I was a really good kid athlete, but then, you know, genetics and puberty happen, And, uh, you know, I went to, went to a high school where he had to be, you know, at least division two good to even get on the field. So I was like, I hate, uh, I mean, I love sports, but I'm not, I'm not good enough at them to play in college. What What's a way to where I could go to all the sporting games and still and you know, uh, you know, go to go to the games and still you know have fun? I'm kind of musically inclined. I could be in the band. So yeah, there you go. I joined the band, and uh, yeah, kind of kind of rode that all the way through college. I was in the Pride of Oklahoma for five years from 2000 to 04. So the fat years really.
1: Oh, there Um, you go.
0: Yeah. So my freshman year at OU was 2000. Um, and yeah, that was, that was, that was, I I wish, I wish I had been the age that I am now. So I would, you know, pay attention more and just, you know, do a better job of soaking everything in.
1: Well, that that's almost criminal. Like I'll admit, I I don't know what you do in your spare time. Uh, but and you're in college. So, I mean, there are no rules, but the fact that you were not of legal drinking age in 2000, kind of like, oh, man, you know, it's just like, oh. I have like I have a friend that was 20 uh, when they won in 2000 and he just keeps saying like, oh, the day they win one, like obviously now since OU hasn't won one since then, he's just like, that will be the happiest bender
0: of his life. <laughs> yeah, I, I was I was a good kid for a while in college. So, uh, yeah, I, I was I was good my freshman year, I'll say that. Um, yeah that whole season just it and uh, I was thinking about this the other day Uh, well I was thinking many things about the 2000 season the other day Uh, one that it's been 21 years and uh, I'll I'll address that in a bit but um, that 99 season it was kind of the you know everybody said it then it was the stepping stone to 2000 and and it 100% was Um, you know we we came off the bleak years and the the Howard year and the Gibbs year. We were just we were just aching for something for something positive, a positive success. I mean, even going seven and five in '99 was was great. Um, but I was I was looking somehow. I got a hold of the schedule, like in April or May of that year. I I guess that's when they release them. But you know, I don't ever remember getting the schedule that early back then. Yeah. And so I I was looking down the schedule, and of course there was Red October. But I was thinking about the team from the year before, and I said, and I, I told I told people this, and they laughed at me. And so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say I called it, but I said, hey, you know we had the game, we had the lead in every game in 1999. We let the lead get away in the games that we lost. So we we obviously know we can be successful. Uh, Josh Heipel had some terrific numbers as a quarterback, just insane, even for especially for back then. I mean, nobody yeah. ran. Nobody ran the Mike Leach offense back then. Now everybody runs it to some degree. But uh, I said, if he has, if he puts up these types of numbers, he can win a Heisman Trophy. And if he can win a Heisman, we can win a national championship in 2000. And of course, my friends all laughed at me. And you know, I'm by no means saying I called it that year, but I, <laughs> I said it was possible. So, and uh, yes, that that 2000 season. You know, it's been 21 years and. I think it was after the A&M game, after that that crazy game. And, I mean, we can go game by game through 2,000 uh, if you want. But uh, I think it was after the A&M game because we won that one, and really all we had to finish was Tech, Okie State, and then the Big 12 championship. And then we were either going to play Florida State or Miami for the title. And uh, our assistant director in the Pride of Oklahoma, Roland Barrett, he said something that I did remember because he said remember it he said, uh, hey guys, remember this, remember it, because, you know, national championships, you don't win those every day. Back in 1985, we thought we had the next three years sewn up. We had an awesome defense and a freshman quarterback, and we thought there's no way we're going to lose a game for the next three years. We're going to win four national titles in a row, and we didn't win a single one, and so, and then we weren't good until this year, so remember this feeling, remember how this feels, and it's like, man, you know, we got, we got a, defense we got an offense that nobody else runs we're winning the next three in a row what's he talking about oh, no. No. <laughs> yeah yeah it, it's, it's stuck with me since then that we haven't won i mean we've we've been in contention for seven for seven since i know
1: then. i know and look we are a spoiled fan base I, like I, I admit that there are fan bases that if they just randomly won a national title that they would go insanely crazy for For those reasons, if if Oregon won a national title for the first time in their program's history, their fan base, screw all of them, by the way, they would they would be so happy and they'd be so excited. But I mean, considering what OU fans have gone through, there is something to be said about being so damn close. And just being so close, being able to sniff it and touch it, feel it, but not be able to standalone as the number one team in the country at the end of the year, they've been so close time and time again. They've had great quarter. They've had generational quarterbacks. They've had legendary running backs. They've had all time greatest receivers in school history. They've had even through the bad defenses, they've had great players. Like Eric Stryker was a great player. Aaron Colvin was a great cornerback. Tony Jefferson could have potentially been an all American at the position that he played. I'm on a cleanse. I can't say anything further, but You know, like even with all that, like OU has been so damn close that when they finally do win a national title and OU's going to win a national title again, like I'm not that defeatist. They're going to win a national title again. And when they do it, oh my God, like all those missed opportunities, it's just going to add fuel to the, like the sweet fire that will burn and burn.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Can't wait. Someday it'll happen. It will happen. You're right. It will. Just think positive.
1: And I guess one more question about the 90s, um, If you had to pick one player that wasn't DeMond Parker and it wasn't Kelly Gregg, let me, and Kale Gundy, who's your favorite player, OU football player during the nineties?
0: Well, favorite player during the nineties, not DeMond, not Kale, and not Kelly Gregg. All right, let's see. Uh, well he played in the 90s, Mike Gaddis. Yeah. Mike Gaddis.
1: Oh, okay. No, 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 no. He was an 80s all uh, over
0: No. Yeah, he he only played one year in the 90s. He played 91. So you don't yeah, get okay. to,
1: I'm not letting you off
0: that easy. Oh, <laughs> uh, let's see. Um hmm. uh, yeah, it's it's
1: even kind of hard to just kind of like does anybody. Hard. I mean, the first quarterback that I watched was uh Patrick Fletcher. That was the the mm-hmm. first time that I was cognizant and aware of what I was sitting down watching with my short six, seven-year-old attention span. I was watching OU football play TCU in the game where uh, Fletcher threw the game-winning interception uh, where right, they fumbled it right. into field goal range and they kicked the game-winning field goal. That's right.
0: That was crazy. That was um, crazy.
1: But that the first time, OU quarterback Patrick Fletcher, so that's always been him. And I, I was waiting tables in college when I was at OU, and he came into the restaurant, and I was like, hey, I'm sorry if I'm – this is weird. Can I, can I get a picture with you? you're the first RU quarterback that I ever sat down and watched. And he's like, sure, he was, he was a good sport about it. But um, that was always kind of like my go-to random 90s name.
0: Okay. Um, as far as 90s goes, I'll go with an A to boy, Brandon Daniels. There we go.
1: There you go, and that's that's a perfect '90s player because obviously we got to see what the potential was when Bob Stoops actually put him in a position to succeed <laughs> at, at the position. Uh, I mean that that kickoff return in South Bend is so awesome. That that game is so fun to watch. There are some OU losses that I can actually enjoy watching. Unfortunately, like the way OU lost that game sucked, but that was a good game considering where OU fans were at the time, and I wasn't a gigantic OU fan at the time. I can imagine leaving that game if you're a diehard OU fan, going, "Oh, we're close. This is the guy. Bob is the guy."
0: Yes, uh, I I absolutely thought that. E- yeah, even after the loss, um, I remember we were at a band competition that day, and uh, you know we'd we'd started we'd started off really hot, three and zero. Shoot, I remember what was it? Two weeks before my mom and I were going out to breakfast and I was reading the paper and said, Oh, Hey, ou has got a game. 11 o'clock, obviously. Uh, ou has got a game today and it's going to be on TV. And we kind of looked at each other and that's ten forty. 40 screw breakfast. Let's go home and watch the game. So we went home and watched us kick the crap out of Baylor. And I was, I was all in on Bob and, and the offense and everything. It's like this, is, and that was my senior year. So, Hey, this is, this is where I'm going to go to school. I'm going to go here next year. Um, and so Notre Dame, we were at a band competition and uh, there was a friend of mine. He was already at OU, but he came back to see us for, uh, I guess, cause it was a road trip and he didn't go to South Bend, but he was listening. We actually listened on the radio, uh, you know, kids, we actually did that back in the day, <laughs> uh, but you know, we're listening, we're up 30 to 14 and we're just high-fiving and hugging each other and all that stuff. And then we, we go do our contest and we come back, I come back and, uh, and so, so how'd the game go? And he's, he's like fighting back tears. He says, we just couldn't stop him in the second half. And they came back and won 3430 and we cried. We, we embraced and cried. And then our Okie state friends made fun of us. Oh, you lose this all the time. You should be used to it. Yeah. Shut up. Shut oh, up. This is they, different. They
1: have no, they have no idea what's coming their yeah. way in the next 30 years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: So but but I, yeah i was still all in with bob back then um yeah that was and you know, it, it absolutely was a stepping stone to uh to 2000 which was just a magical year magical year
1: well did, other than 2000 um, during your time in the pride i mean is there is there a moment that sticks out that was just that was cuz i'm trying to remember like you you would have gone to the game in tuscaloosa 2003
0: mm-hmm. oh yes um, oh yes
1: 2002. I mean, they played Alabama and Norman, uh, mm-hmm. early two thousands. There weren't that many like, OU, always scheduled great, but they didn't really schedule out of, OU great. I mean, they went to, you got, you got to go to uh, the air force Academy, which I'm sure now that you're in the air force, that was probably a very interesting experience.
0: I didn't actually get to go on that trip. Which ah. I was, I was a little, little, uh, hurt about, but you know, it is what it is. That was September 1st of 2001. So I mean, right oh, before nine 11.
1: Yeah. That's right. Um, yeah. Cause the the next game was mm-hmm. Kansas state with the big American yeah, flags yeah. The stadium. So,
0: so, uh, I'll, I'll tell a funny story about that Kansas state game. So yeah, we had, uh, we had, we actually played North Texas on the eighth and then we had, uh, we had Tulsa on the 15th and then we had a bye week Well, you know, obviously everything on the 15th got canceled or postponed. So we had two weeks off before we played Kansas state and, uh, it was my second year at OU, second year in the Pride. And we decided, somehow, somehow, I don't know who figured this out, but we found the team hotel for Kansas State. It was the Holiday Inn off 35 in Norman, which is no longer Holiday Inn. Um, but we decided, since it was an 11 o'clock kickoff, uh, surprise, surprise, um, we were going to go serenade the Kansas State football team at midnight. <laughs> And so there was a fair amount of us. I want to say like 40, 50, maybe even 60 people showed up and we were very careful not to wear anything, you know, identifying us as university of Oklahoma. <laughs> and so we go out there and we play, we start playing Boomer Sooner like at midnight and it's, you know, it's dead quiet, sleepy little Norman. And we got Boomer Sooner reverberating all around and this Kansas state coach or trainer comes out, comes out and he was livid. Oh my gosh. Like, If you've ever seen Brett, uh, George Brett and the pine tar incident, that's how mad this guy was. So he's screaming at us, you know, you need to leave. And of course, we're college kids like who's this guy? What's his problem? You know, and uh, he gets the manager of the hotel. and Of course, the manager comes out and says, hey, I'm going to have to ask you to leave. You know, you can't be here and do this. And we're all, yes, sir. Yes, sir. And uh, about that time, the theater, which shared a parking lot with the hotel, closed and the theater manager comes out and lo and behold he's a no you pride alum as well and he says well you can come on my property and and play and so we go like we ship like 20 feet away and keep playing and the hotel manager's like hey i can't do anything about that and the kansas state guy just got madder and madder and the next day we won that game by one point and i like to think that we had an influence in winning by that one oh hell point. yeah you could so, you could take that
1: W yeah. and run with it as much as you want. As far as I'm concerned, like you yeah. and Hunter Wall and Roy Williams. As far as like Williams, you guys, yep. Hunter Wall catching the the fake field goal touchdown and and honorable mention to Nate Hibble for just getting his ass kicked in that game. Those those Bill Snyder Kansas State defenses are fun to watch. Unless they're
0: playing your team, because all they did was go kill the quarterback and yep.
1: poor Nate Hibble.
0: <laughs> yep, Phil Bennett. He was a DC at Baylor about a decade later when they would kill the quarterback too. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. We called that Operation Mildcat, and uh, some of us old timers will will still remember oh, that very fondly.
1: That is awesome. That that that's that's probably one of the coolest stories that have been told on this podcast because most of it is just me talking to Keegan, so it can only be so cool from from that point on. But now that's. Yeah, you can take that win. That's, that's very, that's a very important uh, bullet point in sooner history. I should say a few more questions before I get you out of here, Anthony, again, thank you so much for your time. Truly appreciate it. Um, It's always fun to talk to listeners of the show and other OU fans because I'm a nerd and I like talking about random OU games. So OU Kansas state, 2001, everybody jumps to OU Kansas state, 2000, the 2001 game was just as fun, if not more exciting because of the margin, but Um, getting past the, I guess the time you were in college. Oh, because we can go, we can go like one or two ways we can go like, what, what time really, what really got you your hopes up. And it just necessarily like the feeling was just, you felt so empty after the loss. And like, to me, it's, you can, I always go the same route. I think I've told Keegan this, but I don't think I've ever felt as low as an OU fan as I did after OU lost to Florida in the 2009 orange bowl. And a lot of that was just because I had that thought of, I'm never going to see them win another title again. Aren't I? I like this? This just isn't fair. Like we don't have DeMarco Murray. They have Percy Harvin and, uh, why, why can't, why can't this happen? I was a senior in high school at the time. And I thought, because my dad, when he was a senior in high school, uh, was 85, and they won an national title. So I thought it was kind of like my birthright to, oh, we're going to win a national title when I'm a senior in high school. And it didn't happen, and I'm just like, now I'm in uncharted territory. I don't know what to do. And then oh, OU kind of meandered around, had success, of course, uh, dipped a little bit in the early 2010s, and now they're back on top. So just basically in that era of OU football, did anything stick out as a fan? Anything like really kind of stick with you afterwards, good or bad?
0: Um. So... Yeah, really, really. Since we're not going to talk about that Rose Bowl, uh, <laughs> it was that one. Oh, but, you can uh, you
1: can bring you can bring it up. I mean, nothing will ever beat seeing Baker Mayfield's defeated face after the uh, game-winning touchdown Georgia score. That was that was a whole bunch of me thinking you deserve
0: better. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, many of us thought that too. Yes, um, yeah, that one that one took a while to get over. Uh, one that actually ended up it ended up working out and it actually led to your moment was when we lost to Texas in 08. I mean, I did not see that coming at all. I knew Texas was really good, but you know, we, we lost that game. And, you know, back then when we had the, the big 12 divisions, we had hoped that Texas lost twice and that was a good Texas team. They were not going to lose twice and they ended up not losing twice. They only lost the once, but uh, as, as it worked out, that's all we really needed. But I just remember feeling like after that game, it was it was like you know your girlfriend breaks up with you. Uh, what what do I do from here? What do well, I like?
1: The big thing like in that game was Texas never won games against OU like that. Yeah, but they, they the two games they won up to that point in the two thousands, oh 05-06, They were just clearly the better team, and it's like okay, that that happens from time to time. But 2000, 2001, thousand one, two thousand two, two thousand three. You could make the argument, maybe not two thousand three. You could make the argument in the first three games of the decade that. No, either team can win this game. Like mm-hmm. they're both talented. I have no idea who's going to win this game. It's basically a pick 'em. And OU would destroy them. Or OU would be the one coming back like in 2002. I think Hibble threw oh, yeah. four interceptions and they came back from 14 or 10 down and they yep. ended up winning by 10. Um the 08 game, like OU's offense was rolling, and it just looked like, well, OU's either going to start killing them like they have done, or they're just going to win kind of a game like 07 where it's they have a lead and they just kind of keep them at arm's length. And then Texas just kept coming back and it was just so anti Mac Brown, Texas of them to do so. And yes, a lot of it had to do with the fact Ryan Reynolds went down and the defense didn't have a plan B at Mike. So, you know, that, that can happen as well. That can be a factor.
0: Yep. Yeah. That, uh, yeah, like you said, the offense was rolling and for some reason we couldn't run the ball and we weren't really trying to run the ball. Nope. Uh, you know, I, I just remember with that big deal line, their their D line can't be that much better. You know, in, you know we sh- TCU kind of shut us down, but you know we we took advantage through the air. Uh, you know we should be doing the same thing with Texas, uh, but yeah we couldn't we couldn't stop them uh, once Reynolds went down, and uh, yeah had no Plan B, and you know Jordan Shipley was the best player on the team. We acted like we hadn't seen him before, so. Uh, yeah, that, that, loss, that loss really hurt. I felt down for a long – for, oh, probably a week or two. And then we um, – that fateful night when Texas went out to Lubbock and we played Nebraska, and it, that game was over in the first five minutes. Uh, and then uh, got, to, got to call the, uh, the, the Texas and Tech game for my friends who were going home from OU Nebraska that year. Cause they were, they were not around a TV. So I, I got to call the final drive, like on the phone, they, they oh, speaker phone. That's fine. I woke up my, my infant daughter in the next room. Cause I was screaming so much, but, uh, and you know, wife came out and you know he woke up the baby. Oh, we Texas lost Texas lost. We are back in business. You know,
1: <laughs> I actually have a cool little pride story uh, with that game. Like that, that was the night. OU beat the just absolute crap out of Nebraska. Yeah. And so my buddy Hunter and I were walking down the tunnel from our seats and we get down to the ground level, the floor under the stands and all those little TVs in the corner hanging up. They were showing the Texas and uh, Texas Tech game because it was on ABC. So it was just essentially on the same channel. And we were just like, OK, we'll, we'll just kind of pop in and look at it. And then we just we couldn't leave. And I think we I think the at that point after the OU game ended, it was like the th- late third quarter of the Tech game. And so we ended up staying the entire game and OU fans like trickling down uh, off the ramp started like either like filtering behind us and like picking a spot. And there was basically about a hundred people just crowded around each of those TVs. And we're at the tunnel, like we were in section 11. So we're basically right at the ground is the entrance to the field where um, where the schooner comes out or the band runs out onto the field from the north end zone. And by the time the, uh, I think Texas tech is on their final drive. Cause like Crabtree scored that game when he by the time Texas tech is on their final drive, the band is done for the night. So they're just trickling out from the field and they still have their instruments in their hand. And some of them just kind of stick, stand behind all of us to watch the rest of the game and Crabtree scores that touchdown and we're all cheering. And then the f- six or seven band members there just pick their instruments up and start playing like some rendition of Boomer Sooner because there weren't all the instruments, but we could tell what was going on and it was so much fun. That's one of my favorite uh, OU pride memories.
0: Awesome, that is that that is a good memory. Yeah, that, that's that's awesome.
1: Yeah, and I, I think it was either Crabtree scoring the touchdown. Obviously that's going to be the big memory, but, um, Oh, what was his name? That Blake Gideon, Blake dropped Gideon. The I was going to say, Blake Gideon dropped the interception. One of our favorite Texas safeties of all time. We yep. love you, Blake Gideon. If you want to jump on the, the podcast, you. please do. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Anthony, my last thing before I get you out of here, thank you once again. Um, I wanted to basically get your unfiltered thoughts because we kind of talked about it a little bit in terms of the pressure, what you're expecting this season, is there going to be an inexplicable loss just because that's what history tells us? Or do you think that this is truly the year that special things can happen?
0: Oh, uh, well, Switzer says in his book, good things happen when you least expect it. And, uh, oh you know, so no. <laughs> oh, I had to go and say that, didn't I? Well, dang it. <laughs> but, uh, but I mean, I know we're going to be really good this year. I kind of see this as a, maybe an 06, 07 team that hopefully does not get that inexplicable loss at the wrong time. Um, Cause you know, Oh six, you know, if not for Oregon, we would have played Ohio state for a title or Florida, probably Ohio state. And we would have, we would have kicked the crap out of them and think about how, how different that would have been. Cause Ohio state kind of picked up our mantle as a choker in the big games after yeah. that season. Um, and then Oh seven, you know, if Alan Patrick doesn't fumble on the first play of the game in Lubbock and Sam Bradford tried to make the tackle. We we win that game too. So would
1: have been the same thing too. The uh, probably would have yeah, played Ohio State.
0: Played Ohio State. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I'm I'm expecting I'm expecting big things this year. Um, of course, you know, I, I always expect big things. Even in the '90s when I knew we were awful, I expected big things. Uh, yeah, this is the year we turn it around. We're just going to come out of nowhere and you know go 11 and 0. But uh, no, I the team the team's where we need to be. Uh, shoot the defense. I, I haven't been this pumped about the defense in a long time, and it feels really good to say that. My friends will tell you, to a man, as much as I loved all the offense in the early two thousands, the defense was was my favorite part. And the, shoot in the Cotton Bowl when we played Arkansas, uh, oh, I I was I was, I was there.
1: Sc-
0: oh yeah, I, I was too. Yeah, it was cold, but I was I was screaming at the offense. Offense, pump the ball so the defense can get on the field and get <laughs> us the ball back. You know. <laughs> No, so, uh, it's,
1: it's incredible. You just, you add 20 years, like what 18 or 17 or 18 years to the 2002 cotton bowl. And it's the complete opposite story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Defense, yeah, then, please uh,
0: get a stop. Please get a stop. Yeah, I was, I was fortunate. I missed a lot of, uh, well, I wouldn't say fortunate. It still hurt like heck, but I was on a deployment for the entire 2012 season. So I, uh, I missed a lot of that, but uh, you know, had to, had to follow it when I could, but I missed the Cotton Bowl and I've never been so glad that I missed a game in my life. So,
1: Oh, I was the designated driver for my friends on my senior uh, trip in college that day. Um, uh, and I was, I was not happy about it. We'll just say that, but Anthony, man, this was great. Thank you so much. Operation Milecat again is going to go in the hall of fame of this podcast. That was a great story, but everything else, it was great to talk to somebody with some nineties experience. So, uh, again, thank you so much. And we ever do stuff like this? Is I, I want to keep doing like listener stuff. I'm, I'm still trying to figure things out. We're getting closer and closer to the season. Um, works turning into a hectic mess <laughs> already, but um, I want to do more listener stuff and I will definitely reach out to you because this was a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, th- this was great fun. Thanks for having me on the show. I really enjoyed the listener segment. And uh, hey, I could talk about OU football six hours a day. I mean, if you wanted to do like a super mega podcast, I'm game for that. Oh yeah.
1: Oh yeah. I'm, I'm definitely going to try and do something right before like basically the week or uh, so before kickoff, just another big fan, like opinion outreach thing. And it'll, it'll work. I just, I can't really fathom what it's going to look like right now, but it's going to, it's going to be something and it's going to work because I'm going to do it. So no worries, but you will be one of the first that I call. Thank you so all much, right. Anthony.
0: Oh, thank you, and, Keegan. Uh thank you, Brady, 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 Brady. You kept saying Brady and Keegan all the time. So well, Thanks, you know, Brady.
1: Keegan's got the check mark. I am I am just a lowly
0: employee. Oh, yeah, that's here. right. That's right. He's Big J. He's Big J journalism.
1: <laughs> uh, you could follow Anthony on Twitter at AI Jumper, um, which I'm going to do right now because You don't sh- have
0: to follow me. You don't shout out, have to follow me.
1: Shout out to the Air Force, but uh, eh, you know. You can always do what you want. Follow him. Don't follow him. We, will, we won't We will lose any sleep either way. But for Anthony Jumper, this is Brady Trantham. Inside OU Podcast will return on Thursday at Vanessa House. Uh, tune in Tuesday. Uh, subscribe to our Patreon page at Through the Keyhole. If you are interested for extra OU content, uh, articles, podcasts, interviews, we're doing our Know Thy Enemy uh, series all off-season up until kickoff. We just talked to a West Virginia reporter. We're going to be talking to a Kansas State reporter this coming week, and we're excited about that. So look forward to that through the Keyhole Patreon, $4 a month or $5 a month, just whatever you want. Um, give that a look. Um, also, if you have not already, rate and review the podcast. We will greatly appreciate that. But for, again, for Mr. Anthony Jumper, this is Brady Trantham. Y'all have a good night. Boomer Center.